welcome to the Naked Podcaster. Get ready to hear stories of someone brave enough to bear it all. Your past doesn't define you, but it does lead you on a path to today. Let's get naked. Naked podcast. We're already starting off with a bang. I have Miguel Dean today, who has been a past guest, and today I'm doing a sacred masculine healing session with Miguel in the UK, and I'm really excited about this. So first, jump into your website and the book and that information. Okay, thank you very much, Jen. Um, so yeah, my website is nice and simple: www.migueldean.net. Uh, lots of free resources and interviews and podcasts and blogs and all sorts of stuff on there if you want to find out a little bit more and get a sense of what I'm about and who I am. The book, Bring Him Home, The Twin Flame Love Story, um, that is available if you want a personalized copy from the website. Uh, but most people do prefer to go to good old Amazon or Barnes and Noble, or, you know, it's available from most uh, good book retailers. And it's in the Kindle version or the paperback version at the moment. So, um, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, uh, do do check it out. I'm sure I'm getting some, well, check out the reviews. That's always the best thing to do. Check out the reviews and that will give you a flavor of whether it's a, it's a book that you should read. Well, I read it and I'm a review, so you should definitely check it out. I... I did the Kindle version because instant gratification. Mm-hmm. You know, I, <laughs> I have a Kindle, I own a Kindle and I can get it immediately and I love it. And I read it and I was, I, I'm always blown away by other people's writing styles. Once you're an author and a blogger, you know, and you've written a lot for a long time for many different publications for a living. And I've done some of that too. And I love other people's writing styles, but the story was, the story was riveting. It was engaging. And it was a, it was sassy. That first sex scene, I was like, yes, this man's speaking my language. I loved it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wanted it to be. It was funny because there was a little voice in my head when I'm writing the uh, the passionate scenes uh, that's kind of going, oh, who do you think you are, Miguel, you know, to be writing this? There was There was some resistance and I just kept pushing through it because I... I wanted, I wanted it to be a, um, a sort of the opposite of Fifty Shades of Grey. I wanted it, <laughs> you know, I wanted it to be sacred sex and something yeah. beautiful and, you know, and how profound and, and that, you know, it's one of the most amazing gifts of being in these human bodies is sharing them with another, you know, with, with love. So, uh, yeah, yeah, thank you. I'm glad you uh, appreciate I loved it. I loved it. So today I am your um, client. I'm doing a coaching session with you and I'm, I'm always nervous and excited about these. I know you're going to make me work. It's going to be good. Nervous and excited is always good. It's a good formula, isn't it? When you feel nervous and excitement, you know, it's like, Hey, something's happening here. (laughs) It's so weird. So this is personal, but like, I'm one of those people who sweats very little. I'm a runner. I ran four and a half miles this morning. Now I just, I don't, I don't have to get, I have deodorant. I don't have to use it very often. It's just not that big, but these coaching sessions, I want to be like, you know, (laughs) it's so weird. So I know it gives me some sort of internal adrenaline to, to do this. And I mean, the naked podcaster, I asked my guests to bear it all which you do and I do it physically and you do it emotionally and it's all a great metaphor, but the coaching sessions, which were not my idea initially, but I love them and I've run with them. That makes me like now I'm great. I'm physically and emotionally the naked one in these. And yeah, it's a little nerve wracking, but, but really great, really great results. And people get to see what it's like to work with you. So yeah totally and and there's such a liberation in your courage to be vulnerable uh, you know that as you know that was kind of part of the way that i write and, and what i write yes. about there's such a liberation in it and it liberates others i know you know this stuff yeah yeah so jump right in just okay let's go for it yeah okay yeah. so well it's kind of you jumping right in really because yeah you know what, what i need to know to start with jen is um well, I suppose just maybe a little, little tiny bit of framing. Sacred masculine healing sessions, I tend to call them. Uh, it, that doesn't mean that they're for men, obviously, because you are here, Jen. 
um, but it means it's the there is a sacred masculine energy transmission that you know that is received as well as the sort of nuts and bolts of the language and the conversation you know that that, that we will have. So quite often the sessions will activate emotions, activate thoughts, memories, dreams, and you know, and I always say in between the sessions is just as important as what happens during the session. So just be mindful of what you do straight after the session and yeah, and just check out, see what happens in the, you know, in the days afterwards. The great thing about that is that from the time we're recording till the time that the release happens, there's some space in between. And I'm really thankful for this. Um, you, you know, I mean, I basically just record and put you in line, but the, the really fantastic thing about a coaching session is the, the download that happens afterwards. So I'll be able to email that to you and it'll be part of the show notes. So as this releases in the show notes will kind of be, the the after effects or the ripples or that the those things that happen even after the coaching session so that's actually very exciting and i'm glad you pointed it out because i I tend to talk to process but uh energy work is a lot of internal movement and shifts and so that's really exciting Mm -hmm. good good yeah so really jen you just start wherever you want to you know perhaps an area that you uh, want to shed a bit of light on or perhaps it might be a trigger of yours or it might be something you would want to improve on you can't do this wrong really you start wherever you want to start and it will weave its way to exactly where it needs to go I think I wrote the book a the my book was about my life growing up in dysfunction I've been very open about that and I don't I'm sure I'm absolutely certain that I have triggers. The child part of me has triggers, Mm -hmm. but I've been very open about that. The, the thing that I struggle with now though, is actually my youngest daughter. Mm. So she just turned 10 in January of 2020. We have 18 kids. So I had 14 and then I was divorced. And relationships have always been, I don't like the word failure and I don't think it's accurate, but because I had three serious relationships, all of which ended, and especially when children are involved, it feels like it certainly wasn't a success the way that I imagined it would be. Um, I know a lot of relationships aren't meant to stand the test of time, but when you're navigating as a parent and your goal was that that relationship would stand the test of time, that's a very difficult for me because not necessarily because I, I don't miss the relationship and I'm, I know why they ended and I'm grateful that those relationships ended, but in the, the, how it's affected the kids and how I've had to navigate that. But I had 14 kids and I was divorced. And then my uh, actually oldest daughter and a mutual friend of ours introduced me to Dane. And we just celebrated six years in February of 2020. And uh, he had four kids and his wife had died. So because I done foster care and adoptions, having another parent who exists somewhere that's not involved was familiar to me. Having that parent be gone through death was not. We actually have some of her ashes. And at first, you know, you meet this guy, you have a new relationship. I'm like, oh, cool. Your dead wife's ashes are in my closet. So that doesn't make me feel creeped out at all, you know? And and uh, instead of saying it that way, I was like, so can you explain to me why you have your dead wife's ashes? And he actually had spread most of the ashes when she passed away. Mm-hmm. And she has a younger sister and brother and the sister was really affected. She was 14, 14 or 15 when Danielle died. So in Dane's mind, he saved some of those ashes because if her younger sister grew up and reached out to him, he would be able to give that to her as a gift so that she could have closure with her sister's death. Now, once you hear that, you're like, Oh, I love having the dead wife's ashes in my house. You know, then it's not creepy anymore. It's a sweet sentiment. I actually, um, I don't think I'm super intuitive, but I have an intuition that that is not what those ashes are for. I think that Taven is the 10 year old daughter. She's the youngest of the four. And it's, uh, there's a, it's an interesting dynamic for a lot of reasons. There's like 
an eight year age gap between her and the next one. All of his, his three older kids and all of my kids really condensed in age. I mean, we had <clears throat> of those 18, like the 13 that are, are adopted or, you know, I had five that aged out and were like extra kids, but of the 13 kids that are adopted or biological, 10, 12 of them were born in 10 years. And then we have this seven year gap and this little girl at the end, and she was two when her mom died. And I intuit that those ashes will actually be for she and her dad, or for, she, I think it's her closure with her mother because she was two when she died and she was four mm -hmm. when Dane and I met. So I'm mom, but there is a disconnect in our relationship that she is aware of and vocalizes and that I'm aware of and vocalizes. And she's had um, energy work sessions and she's had um, NLP, which is neuro linguistic sessions. Um, and in that, what has been revealed is that, you know, she holds on to a lot of anger. It can be anger that her mom's dying. It can be anger that I'm in her place, which it, it's not personal. It would be anyone that took that place. But all of her anger is directed to me. It doesn't matter if she can't find her shoe. Um, anything that translates to anger in this little girl's heart is, is me. I'm the scapegoat for that emotion. And saying that I think is, she was a two-year-old girl who lost her mom and four years old when I came on board. So although as an adult, that logically doesn't make sense to me, it's the emotion of that two to four-year-old little girl who lost her mom. Mm -hmm. and, and so I'm very aware of that. Although even though she's vocal about, even this weekend, she's like, I, I'm not as, she was telling um, Dane, her dad, you know, I'm not as close to mom as I want to be. And I see the other kids. I'm very close with our kids, even, even Dane's other three kids. You know, we have a really close relationship and she sees that and she knows that ours is not the same and she, do, and she doesn't know why, but I don't know why either. So something in this process of whether it was that her mom passed away and I've held back or there's something in that. And I tie in the relationships that I had that failed because I think that there, there are threads that happen that may come up. This is a, the best relationship I've ever had. And if I designed a relationship and how, you know, the perfect relationship and how I wanted things ideally, if I nitpick the shit out of this relationship, there would be very little that I would change in our connection and communication and parenting. We have the same parenting goals, different parenting styles, same philosophies, but we have a complete disconnect in parenting this child together. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I don't know what to do with that information, but as far as where my heart feels the most hurt, it's that I don't want her to feel that I love her differently. I, I don't want her to feel like I love her less than the other kids or that it's conditional somehow. And I don't know how to rectify that. That's my, the biggest struggle that I, that no one knows about because mm -hmm. people just see me as, aren't you a great parent? And, oh, her poor mom died. And aren't you great to take that on as if it's some burden or I don't know, but people's perception is their perception. And my internal struggle is that there's something disconnected there. Yeah. There, there will be something disconnected. I mean, if you think, if you think back, you know, so she was two years old when her mom went, she, you know, had formed this secure attachment with her mom. And then, you know, all of a sudden one day she doesn't come back. That's a big, big, trauma for a little two-year-old who probably won't consciously or even cognitively be able to process that or perhaps remember it I don't know she may but emotionally that trauma is still lodged inside her that it, it, you know that, that which because it was too big to to feel and fully express you know for a, a child that with that age 
So what tends to happen is that, you know, there will be, it, I mean, this is interesting because it, it's very similar to my story. Yes. Isn't that shocking? <laughs> mm -hmm. Ain't that interesting? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, my, my, my mom died when I was seven months old and then I would live with my auntie for a, a year and a bit. So I will have been about two years old when I sort of lost my second mom when I was taken from my auntie and reunited with my family. So yeah, what's your daughter's name? Taven. Taven. Yep, T-A-V-I-N. So Taven and I, you know, we yeah. care a lot there. And, and you know, what, what tends to happen is that there's a, you know, there's a wall, there's, there's a wall around her heart, a protective wall you know, and, and which is kind of made up of the unexpressed emotion and, and the pain of that experience. And so that's what is not letting you in. Because it's too dangerous to let you in fully because you might leave as well. Understandably, she's as she's gotten older and she actually it's shocking to me the amount of memories she has of her mom considering she was just over two. Uh, it's shocking. Yeah. And when we met and got together, um, Dane had, there, there's a process, but he had lost a lot of sentimental items. Mm -hmm. And so I, he had like four old cell phones, a computer and an iPod. And I brought them, to, it ended up being several people, but I brought them to a friend who helped at least take, I, I downloaded every photo and every video that I could off of every device. And out of that, put together kind of an album. And then from that album, we have the videos so she can hear her mom's voice and she can mm. see her. Um, and I did that to all, all of my kids that I've adopted or foster kids. I created an album. I met every birth parent. It was very important to me to be able to pass on, you know, information about these biological parents in the event that they died or something happened or the kids didn't want to, mm -hmm. uh, to get to know them eventually down the road or they wanted more information. So I wanted to be a vault of sort of this information for all of the kids. Mm -hmm. um, but I, so then I printed off a whole, a lot of the pictures and um, his older kids and I put them together. So it was great for the whole family in healing because we went through all of these photographs uh, and put together an album for Taven. And uh, so she has memories and it, it is shocking how many memories she has. And of course the story is tragic, but <clears throat> there's a lot that she'll learn about it. Um, the tragedy was, some of the tragedy were the decisions that her biological mom was making so there's a, a lot to the story you know um that of course she doesn't remember but she remembers these odd things you know like i remember mom's stomach was really fat and her back hurt well she was 36 weeks pregnant when she died she was 36 weeks pregnant with dane's son but taven doesn't know that she had been a heroin addict and her back hurting was from an accident which is how you know her prescription medication went into her addiction so she has these memories where I think, oh my gosh, when, when she's ready and the time comes and she has these conversations with her dad, these pieces of the puzzle that she just does not understand will be put together. And, and I know from the situation that it wasn't this dream parent that was lovely and wonderful, but for a two-year-old, it was a dream parent that was lovely and wonderful. And so there's so many layers always to the stories, you know. So I, I put together this album and I'm shocked at how much she actually remembers. And as time's gone on, <laughs> as time's gone on, she remembers less, but it's been replaced with this photo album and these videos where she can actually tap in and see and hear her mom and ask questions and learn the stories and all of that, which has been great. And we're very open about it. One thing she did was she plugged me into her younger life. So although she knows that she was four when I came around, she'll she would make comments like, well, remember when I was a baby and you and dad and my mom were all together, <laughs> like the three of us were all, and I was a baby and you were holding me. And, and because she plugs me in. Mm -hmm. And although we've told her, well, actually I wasn't around then, but I do, I do, re I know the stories. I don't have the memories, but I know the stories. 
And the other thing that she's very stuck on is that her dad and I have not gotten married. We've been together over six years now. We've never done it. I don't care if we do or we don't. Either way is fine. In her mind, us getting married makes me more her mom. Mm -hmm. So she also, which is interesting because we haven't, that, that didn't come from us. Mm -hmm. um, and she knows that she asked if something ever happened to her dad, what does that mean for her life? So she knows that we have a trust. She knows that we have paperwork, that I would be her legal guardian. I would be able to adopt her. So it's very interesting, all of the little pieces put together, but um, yeah, it's been really trying. She's, she sounds really, um, yeah, and, and, yeah, it must be trying. And it, it, it seems like she's really pretty switched on and sensitive and, and so on, you know, to be coming out with some of these comments. And also, uh, you know, it also makes it clear that she's thinking about this stuff, you know. It, it, it's, A lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very kinesthetic. Yeah. And Dad and I are very visual. So we have yeah. to be conscious of the fact that this is a very kinesthetically wired child. Yeah. I mean, are you of the belief, do you share my belief that we choose the parents, our, we choose our parents, that we reincarnate with the parents out of choice in order to, in order to have the right conditions for the growth of our soul and to experience the things that we need? Yes, I think we choose our situation, yes. Yeah. So Tevin has, has chosen this situation and she's, she's chosen to be born to a mom that wasn't going to be around very long. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and she's chosen to, to have you as her mom. The fact that she's, you know, the marriage thing I think is interesting, because, but I think that's probably, you know, there's a lot of external influences and, you know, films and movies and programs and social yeah. media that, that talk, you know, so there's a bit of that insecurity of if they're married, perhaps it's less likely that mom's going to go again, you know? But I, I think in, in, in a way, there was one thing that you said that caught my attention was you said that you didn't want it to be, there's a kind of part of you that didn't want it to be as, as it is. You want it to be different. So there's a couple of, Kind of questions around that and, and i suppose the first one is what, what would what would be how would it be in a you know ideal case scenario how would you really like it to be and what would what would it be like if you let go of wanting it to be different hmm. That's a great question. As far as different, <clears throat> I don't want, hmm, how, how do I word this well? All right. Um, you know, you can say you love all your kids the same, or but you have a different relationship with each of them. I don't think she sees how different as a parent I am with each one of the kids, although I love them the same. I don't want her to see that I have less of a connection with her or that in that she feels like I don't love her as much or we're not as close. She feels like we're not as close as I am with other kids. And that's her expressing that. But I feel that same lack of ability to get close to her in that same way. And you, I would have thought maybe this is ego because I did so many years of foster kids and I had, you know, the five that stayed with me long-term and the five that I adopted and, you know, three-step kids that this situation wouldn't be different. Like I'm, I'm good at bridging that gap yeah. and being okay. Yet you have other parents involved in one way or another. And I, and, and even my own biological kids, they came forward that they're, biological father was abusive and I took custody of them. And even last night, two of them were talking, I want you to have a good relationship with your dad. I don't know what that looks like because I can only, I, I only have the ability to affect my relationship with you, 
but I want that for you. The same thing with kids that were adopted or kids that have biological parents out there. I, I want that for you. And I don't know what that looks like. It's a different relationship than mine. And I'm here to help navigate that with you if you need me to. But again, it's like a separate relationship. <clears throat> so I would think out of ego, maybe I'm good at that. Like I'm, I was, I've been a, I've been a great parent. I, I put 150% in it. I made my quota of mistakes. I had to learn to say, I'm sorry. I had to learn to clench my teeth and not react. I mean, you know, and there's no perfect parent, but I've done really, really well. And one of the things that I was good at is having other parents out there and one, not being that I, I'm not intimidated by that. I'm not worried about that. It's a different relationship. So I don't, <clears throat> And I'm not with her. So I want it to be different in the sense that I honor her mom, but that doesn't stop us from being close. And I, it's, that's what's different. I, I haven't been able to do that. So I feel like hmm. I'm not doing it well. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, is that really true? It... I don't know. I know I have a 10 year old child who knows that she's not close with me and wants to be and doesn't know why and expresses that. Yeah. And she sees my other relationships with other kids, yeah. including like grandchild relationships where I'm really close and they're like, why don't, why didn't I sit on your lap and you sang to me and stuff? Well, it's not that I didn't do that. You were four and she's a year old. And like, you know, I mean, she points out situations where she feels like she and I are not as close or I don't react the way to her that I do to another child in a direct example. Yeah, yeah. And now older kids are older kids. So that's a little, and really younger kids are much younger kids, but she still feels like somehow I'm slighting her in that connection or that it's different. So it's not just my perception mm -hmm. that I can't break through this barrier and have a closer relationship. It, it's her perception also. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I would like to be different. What if it's not different? I think I would need a new set of rules. I mean, and, and that's probably not the best way to say it, but, um, we just have to, sometimes you have to embrace the suck, the stuff that's not as good. You just, this is where we live. This is yeah. where we are. Meeting it where it's at, I guess, would be letting go of that. Yeah, there, there's something in here about your external validation. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, I know a little bit, um, I think you said to me once that your mom could have been a great mom. Mm -hmm. So there's, you know, there is a part of you that is reacting, responding to that in, I'm going to be the best mom there yeah. is. Yeah. And I know, and I know you're, you're aware of that. So this little girl, Teevan, mm -hmm. she, she's kind of like the fly in the ointment night, you know, it's like, it, it, you know, I want, but I want, you know, I want you, you know, I want it to be as good with you as it is and i want to be the you know the the the, the not the perfect but you know the, the the really good mom and so that's pressing your buttons around you know i'm you know i i i can't get a hundred percent like you know what i mean she's like getting in the way i've only got 95 percent, and i want a hundred percent right and that you know and, and the the urgency the, the need for that is always a compensation of your internal validation you're mm -hmm. using that to prove something to yourself because there is another part of you that doesn't feel fully worthy that unless you are the perfect parent as opposed to I'm good enough and I'm beautiful just as I am I don't need to be perfect at everything hmm. well that sucks to feel <laughs> that it is hard to let go and you're you're right that correlation yes I absolutely knew that it should be different and it could be different when I was growing up, especially, you know, things change after the birth of that first child. You have a child and you're like, oh my God, like now the whole world shifts. And um, I, I did, I set out like, it's going to be different. And I didn't know in the beginning what that looked like. And God, I'm lost a lot of the time in parenting kids. Mm -hmm. um, but I know I'm working towards 
being the best that I can with her. It is, it's like right here in my face. Yeah. You're not as good as you are with the other kids and you're not as good as you could be. And that is really hard for me. But, but you'll, but it seems to me that you're good enough and you know, there's a bit of comparing going on. It sounds like as well, you know, it's like it, it, it was always going to be different with Tevan. Yeah. She has her own journey. <clears throat> she has a completely different journey. And the, the you know, the, as you know, I'm, I, I know you're not going to be the sort of person that applies the same rules to everybody. You know, there's, what is it? A differentiation mm -hmm. that, you know what's right for one child isn't necessarily right for the other so you are going to be treating her differently but you are treating her to the best of your ability and as fairly and as lovingly as you can and some of that is outside of your control because she even will be blocking you to a certain extent because it's just too scary to fully let you in and and of course it's easier for her to she's you know she's young she's going to see well it must be the parent uh, she can see there isn't this disconnect you know it's quite not quite the same connection she can feel that but she hasn't got the you know the awareness to actually be able to sort of own her part in it or self reflect you know be able to step outside of herself and you know and come to terms with all this stuff that she's got a bit of a created a little bit of a barrier so you don't get too close because that's just so risky and you know what yeah. you would go as well yeah yeah it's going to be different you know it's like this is it this sounds like a little bit of a conflict in you it's like there's a bit of you that's saying i knew it's going to be different and i'm fine with it going to be different but there's another bit of you that's like i don't want it to be different <laughs> well i know she's different because you're right every child's personality, every one of the kids situations, how they came to me, what their baggage was. It's even the kids that I adopted at birth and breastfed, you know, I mean, they have a, they came to me with a different story. Um, they know that their story is different. Even though the beginning of the journey started out the same as a biological child, once the birth happened. Um, and there you do, I mean, as a parent, my, my, my goal or my style or my consequence, or they're all the same, but you do gear it differently. My daughter who's shy and quiet and has anxiety, I'm going to speak to in a different way than I do the one that's loud and boisterous and challenging, you know, directly confrontational. So I know that she's different. I just feel so lost navigating the best way for her and that i think is the hardest part i f i think I, I am battling with myself because i feel like in the past those answers have kind of presented themselves and mm. and it that hasn't happened despite the fact that for six years you know i've been very aware and she calls me mom i'm mom and when she did the session about anger it was we were all, I mean, all of us were completely shocked. You know, she's like, oh no, I, like my mom's the one, all, all of it. It was astounding. And when the session was over, she just started to cry and she hugged me and she said, mom, I'm so sorry. Because she didn't, you know, as a little kid, you don't realize that you're taking all these emotions, channeling them into anger and then just blasting me with them. Mm. And I mean, I knew that she was a kid that was angry and I was, I, I mean, truly I was, it was shocking for all of us. And so the good thing about that is we get to have conversations because she's, she went through her own process to learn some about herself. So it's a good starting place to have conversation. And also we've been talking about, because there's this eight year gap, all of our kids are growing up and moving out. So in another few months, she, she's like an only child in a huge family. Mm. And it's a huge, it's a struggle for her because she was used to having all of these personalities and dynamics in the house. You know, all these kids, we had 12 kids at home just a few years ago. Mm. And now she's going to be the only one left, <laughs> last one standing. And, and that will be her reality for the next eight years of her life. And she doesn't like it. She misses 
having those siblings around and the personalities and um, that constant engagement and interaction. And so we've just been talking because uh, her sister graduates in four months and is planning on moving out. We're discussing like the, the chores and the household and we've never had to do this before. I'm really good at, na- at managing 12 kids. I am completely clueless at having one. And kids came so rapidly for both Dane and I, you know, they were so close in age and there were so many of them so quickly um, that we've never had just one at 10 years old. We had one at two years old and then we had two and then we had three and then we, you know, it, so we've been honest in our conversations, Dane and I about like we, I said to him a few days ago, we have to start over and come up with a whole new way to do this because neither one of us knows how on top of the fact that that she's the child that is the most kinesthetic and emotional mm-hmm. of all probably almost all of the kids um and on top of that she's the one that feels this loss the most acutely mm-hmm. so there's several different pieces of her personality all at the same time that make it so we're coming up with new rules so this is a great time to have this conversation with you because honestly i'm at a loss and it hurts me because i want her to feel like she's loved at the same level she thinks the other kids are loved by me Even you know that you love her the same as you love the other kids, but she doesn't. Yes. But that's that's outside of your control, isn't it? That's yeah. you know. There's a bit of letting go. It sounds like there. Yeah. A lot, probably. Yeah. It's also, you know, it's a gift, a challenge, and a gift you know, that you're in this place, you're out of your comfort zone and learning how to do one child, you know, as, as opposed to sort of, you know, um, shepherding the herd, as it were. Yeah. 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 So that's a little bit, you know, that, that's a little bit uncomfortable. And I guess I'm, I'm, you know, it sounds, okay, so I'm curious and I'm wondering, are there similarities between the way Tevan is with you, your relationship with Tevan, and the relationship that you had with your mom when you were a little girl? Um, wow, that's a really fascinating question. Um, possibly, which could be quite a trigger for me. Um, yeah, that's an interesting question. Probably I would have to say yes, or I, it wouldn't be such an interesting question. I think, um, for very different reasons. Mm -hmm. And of course a trigger for me is being compared to my mother. And just a few days ago, she said the first thing that was ever a breakthrough in our relationship, and I'm turning 50 this year and she's turning 71. So like, hello, it's about time. You know, she said, um, that she's been in relationships where she put herself in danger, all of her relationships, she's put herself in danger. And we ended the conversation and how, you know, she's alone now and single and working on that and how she needs to recognize that. She called me back a couple of minutes later and she said, I'm sorry. I realized that by putting myself in danger, that meant your whole life I was putting you in danger. Mm-hmm. And I said, I didn't think about it when we hung up the first time, but I said, you're right. You did. Because I don't have a lot of, if I really separate things, I don't have a lot of super negative baggage in particular about my mother specifically, except that she allowed situations to happen and didn't step in. And as a kid, I felt like I was asking her to step in and she did not. And so because of that, a mom that could have been like this really good mom, you know, she has, she had all of the pieces, right? but was living her own very dysfunctional story while trying to parent two little girls, uh, wasn't 
able to be a great parent and put us in danger. And so, yes, I was that little kid that always wanted more of a relationship. Maybe you see that it could be different, but it's not. And Taven is the same way. She's a little girl who sees me and knows that it could be different, but it's not. And (laughs) that's a horrible thing to feel as a little kid. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It it sounds like it's a bit, you know, it it, it sounds a bit like you, you could, it's that thing of, you know, when you can see somebody, they're physically there, but you can't reach them. They're not emotionally available or psychologically available or whatever, yeah? Yep. And, and for you, what was happening was that you were kind of present and unarmored, if you like, but your mom was, you know, mm-hmm. so you couldn't, you couldn't reach her. But it sounds like it's kind of inverted with Teven. She can't reach you because of the un- unconscious barriers around her heart and the, and the fear of, you know, of experiencing what she experienced again. But it's triggering the same thing for you, yeah. which is why it's, you know, more intense and, 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 and it's a big deal for you because it's, it's given you an opportunity to let go of some of that energy that you are still carrying around your relationship with your mom. When you have done that work, and when you let go of that, you will find that you will be able to accept and be, and just, you know, accept your relationship with Teven more. And, and in the acceptance, there will be a greater connection. Does yeah. that resonate? Yeah, a lot. And it's really hard because that's the last way I would want her to feel the way I felt. I mean, that's my little girl sad, you know, me. Um, yeah. And wanting more. And yeah, so you're right, though. Um, if I don't ha- somehow work through it, then I am. I feel like I'm feeding the beast without realizing it mm-hmm. now. Um, so how do we do that? <laughs> How do I rectify that in myself so that I can be okay with where things are? Mm-hmm. Because if I am, I feel like the conversations that I have with Taven will be completely, di- they'll be geared differently or my, um, I probably have an unconscious desire to like make sure she doesn't feel this way, you know? And so it's a square peg in a round hole that I'm not, I don't even realize I'm doing. Mm-hmm. in my conversations with her. So I, in my, I'm thinking if I work through my own and I'm, I'm not tethered by that, mm-hmm. then my conversations with her won't be as much a square pig in a round hole anymore. I'll be able to say things in a different way or approach it in a different way where it automatically is more natural. Yeah. It, you know, there's a bit of uh, there are things that you can change. And there is some deeper acceptance that is required of you as well. Because you can't make it all okay for Teven. It's going to be different. She has her journey to go through. And it may be, you know, I was in my late 20s before I began to really start processing, you know, the the stuff around the death of my mom and loss of my mom when I was one, Mm. two years. I'm not saying that it's necessarily going to be like that for her. The kids are coming through these days, super conscious and super sensitive and, you know, and things can happen a lot quicker, but there's a degree of acceptance. And, you know, in response to your question, you know, how do I do that? You're doing it, honey. You're doing it. You have now you've brought it to consciousness. You're aware of it. And it's moving in you and you won't, it it, it will never be the same again. You will see it differently now. And you you can step back and you can, you know what, I guess what's what's being asked of you is to mother yourself, Jen. Be the mother now to you that you never had. Or, you you know, those bits that you wish that your mom could have been there for you. Be that for yourself now. 
and be gentle. You know, you you know, you've been and are such an awesome mom. And it's time just to turn a little bit of that inwards, it seems, to just being a little bit mumming, just mothering, mummying yourself a wee bit and just being gentle with that. that the way that you would with Teven, to your little girl, the, the wounded little girl that is inside you, that you sit her on your lap and you give her a cuddle mm-hmm. and you say, it's okay, honey, it's okay. I I was asked to do that before. You know, I have to say, when you think you've done all of this work <laughs> and then something else comes up and I'm just pissed off that like, uh, you know, it's, it doesn't matter how hard you work or how many times when you find these threads that are still there that aren't done yet. And it's a little frustrating. And I, I did an activity I used to, when I was a little kid, I used to hide in this closet, this little, it was in the eaves of the house. So it was this little misshapen, you know, three foot tall, like little crawl space closet. And I would hide in there and I did energy work and the woman said, um, there's a place that you went that was really small and you need to crawl back in there and curl up with that little girl and tell her it's okay that you're there. So what you're saying is the exact same thing, you know, to hold her on my lap basically. And since then I've been conscious of the fact that I have this little girl that sometimes just needs to be held and told it's okay. Mm-hmm. And so uh, she just still needs to be held. That's <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll try not to be pissed off about it. <laughs> like, yeah. damn it, Miguel, really? <laughs> I thought we were past this. No, no, that's, we're not. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that, that's, the, that's the mothering bit, isn't it? You know, the, yeah. the not being pissed off with yourself and being gentle with yourself. And that, yeah, it, it just seems to be layers of an onion, Jen. You know, it, it, when, when are we ever done with it? You know, there, there is always more and there is always deeper. And that's okay. The, the journey is the destination. Yes, I agree with that. And I'm also relieved because I didn't make the connection in myself. Mm-hmm. So, and the, you know that it, it, it's okay that there's there's an opportunity to deepen your self love and your self acceptance in in the I am perfectly imperfect. You don't need to be the perfect mom. There is no such thing as a perfect human being. We are perfectly imperfect. You know, we, we have our flaws. We are saints and and uh, you know sinners. We're 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 a bit of everything. We're dark and light. We're angel and animal. We have all this different blend inside us, and it's okay. You don't have to be perfect. That's just being too hard on yourself. This time around, for sure, I think I was a little bit more gracious in the past Mm. at knowing perfection's not possible and just Mm. doing the best I can and being really, really okay with it. This is not, Taven's not been like that. And I don't know if it's partially because I know what, I understand the loss that she's had and I, Mm. I want to give her even more, you know, I want to be even better than before, but yeah, I wouldn't have made the connection to my mom and why I was <laughs> So, thank you for that. You're most welcome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Teven has a as her own journey and perhaps the best thing that you can give her is is just accepting and and you know, because she wants it different because she can feel something, you know? But if you want it different as well, that's just kind of feeding it. If you can just yeah. kind of model Hey, it's okay, honey. Yeah, it's a bit. It's different to to that, or it's a bit different. But that doesn't make it any less. It's just how it is. You have a different story, and uh, you know, we yeah, there's a different dynamic with every kid, and that doesn't mean that I love you one tiny bit less than I love you know the other kids. Right. Well loved, and it's different, and, and it's okay for it to be different. Yeah. Yeah. How does that feel? I'm. I'm I. How does that feel? And I'm very conscious that you've been really brave and uh, <laughs> uh yeah um, i i have to let go of uh not wanting to cry 
<laughs> doing this. I was, I was like, it's fine to cry because I'm the person that's like, you know, hold it all together and be strong for everyone else. That was my role from the moment I was born. I feel like just keep it all together and be strong. And so years and years and years ago, one of my girls, who's one of the more sensitive said, I don't remember a time I ever saw you cry. And I said, that is a disservice and mm. I'll change that. You know, I, I can't be that. So I knew today I would have to just let things happen. And if crying was part of that, if, and it feels really good, it was, it, you know, it's not what I want to hear and that's, what's hard. Um, but it is what I want to hear. Yeah. I get you. Um, and now it's in the light and it's not in the shadows. You can start working with it. I feel instantly less resistance within myself. Mm -hmm. When I talk about Taven, I feel resist. I feel my body tense and I feel my energy. I feel resistance that I hate and I don't feel resistance anymore talking about her. And that is a gift because that was me trying to fix it so hard that I was just putting the square peg in the round hole mm -hmm. um, without even realize, I didn't realize how much resistance was in my, I was holding in my body until he, you worked through that with my mom and I realized, you know, it's like, you don't realize how sick you felt till you're better. You feel better. You're like, damn, I felt sick for a long time, you know? And it was, de it's definitely, there's going to be a lot, <laughs> you know, in the beginning we said, I'll have to process this afterwards. And I'm like, yes, absolutely. I know. Yeah. That was a logic. So from an emotional standpoint right now, there's a lot I'm going to have to process. So, um, that's why I know that I have gratitude for the space between when this releases, because I get to process that and share that in the notes. Um, yeah. So read the notes, but um, I love that. I love when you're, you get to the root of something um, through healing sessions, because you feel that internal shift almost immediately. And then I think, Oh shit, there's so much more that's going to come. Like I, <laughs> I know from this initial sh shift, you know, like, um, it's like a rubber band that just, um, but you, you, you know where I am. I do know where you are. I do. I do know where you are. I already feel like the, my approach to conversation with her will be completely different. So that that's a really great shift already. And you've got, you know, and you've got this session recorded, obviously, so you, yeah. you can play it back. And um, yeah, you know, I think the, the big takeaway that, I'd, you know, for you, that I'd like for you to take away, Jen, is whatever you, that you want to take away as well. But for me, it's, you know, Tevan is like your little girl. She's you when you were a little girl. And, you know, and while, that, while there's that element of you taking care of yourself and saying, the little girl inside you she is the physical you know manifestation of that in a way she is that little girl that wanted to be closer to her mom yeah quite do it you know thank you so much oh well I'm, it's been my pleasure and i'm as i say a total respect uh, for you uh, doing this and hey you know this is the these are the rewards that we get when we're brave and we're vulnerable and we step out of our comfort zone huh yeah, I appreciate you so much, Miguel, so much. It's, it's totally reciprocated. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. You take good care of yourself and look after those little girls, yeah?